Yes. And we are recording with the one and only. I always get so self-conscious sometimes when I start to introduce the guest that I'm going to forget their name. Dr. Barrett on Monday, June 12th, 2023 at 3.41 p.m. Eastern Time. And this is um, today's episode. And guys, if you want, you can go to the description. You can find more about Dr. Barry. You can find links to his uh, to his websites, to his writings, to all that good stuff, and to his shows. And um, False Flag Weekly News is a great one. I got to go on that, and that was badass. Um, but this is something that we've brought up before, and I think you actually brought it up on the first time that we spoke, was <clears throat> the me-hop versus lee-hop hypothesis. I am of the lee-hop mindset let it happen on purpose and that the government or the intelligence agencies or a combination thereof saw the writing on the wall of a terrorist attack and as hinted in PNAC you know absent in New Pearl Harbor that they let it happen Dr. Barrett is of the of the mindset and with evidence that it was me hop make it happen on purpose and any any position I hold on this isn't me dragging my feet for everybody listening I'm open to the idea that the government let it happen. So it's it's already bad enough. So this isn't some like, oh, I don't know where you're coming from. To me, I'm just, if I had to put money on it, safe bet, I would say it was it was Lee Hop. But Dr. Barrett is going to discuss on why it was me hop, make it happen on purpose. And I, I always remember one of the things he talked about was Hani Hanjor. I just always remember that name. How, how the hell did he pilot that plane into the Pentagon at that angle, at that altitude? Probably didn't. But with that, Dr. Barrett, could you please introduce yourself as I rudely post the live link? Yeah, well, I, I'm uh, a, a refugee from the academy, or I should say maybe uh, a heretic who's been expelled from the academy due to my work on the 9 11 issue. Um, my academic background is in uh, French, English, and Arabic uh, languages and literature. Uh, with an Islamic studies focus on my PhD and specifically on uh, Morocco. And so with my Arabic and Middle Eastern background, when 9-11 happened, the people from that part of the world just didn't believe that Osama bin Laden and his merry men could pull that off. The vast majority never believed it, still don't believe it. Pakistan, I think the poll showed only 2% of the people of Pakistan believe that Al-Qaeda did 9-11. And the rest either don't, uh, most almost all of them don't, or or they have no opinion. So at that time, I was the only Muslim in Madison, Wisconsin, where I was teaching at the University of Wisconsin that I, I talked about it with, that didn't just immediately assume that this was some kind of false flag, right? I said, well, let's wait till the evidence comes in. You know, there's just not a lot of evidence. So I did. I kind of kept a track of the evidence that was starting to come in and some of the dissenting views that were coming in. People like uh, Dr. Bob Bowman, the former head of the SDI program, that is the Star the Wars program under two president. presidents, yep. right, saying that there's no way that this the fighter jets would have, you know, the fighter jets should have been on any hijacked planes almost instantly. Yeah. Just like they were, you know, on that golfer, Stewart's just a couple jet, days and it ago. drifted away from the course. Or just what happened, again, yeah, a couple days ago when a plane flew over D.C. Yeah. off course, and boom, the jets are on its tail. So Dr. Bob Bowman, a fighter jet pilot, as well as a Caltech rocket science Ph.D., and head of the Star Wars program, was saying, there's no way it could happen like that. And a lot of people were backing him up. And so I was seeing all of this kind of stuff and saying, yeah, this looks pretty bad. Something something here happened. It, this wasn't what you know what we were told, but we'll probably really never know what happened. 
Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to prove this to anybody. So I just kept doing my thing in the academy without focusing too hard on this on 9/11. But then, in uh, late 2003, I heard that Dr. David Ray Griffin, a brilliant scholar who I was citing on my in my dissertation, was uh, saying that they blew up the towers, they blew up the trade center, that whatever hit the Pentagon, it sure wasn't a hijacked plane. I said, really? Wow, that's uh, that's pretty extreme. I better check it out. I did, and I saw, oh, he's right. It's he's not only is he right, he's obviously right that it doesn't even take all that much research to find out that this is the case. And so my thought was, hmm, you know, this is actually worth putting some time and attention into because we can prove it easily in such a way that anybody with uh, you know just basic intelligence and an open mind can get it right and so if we can prove it that easily we can change history mm -hmm. this is something this is this is an archimedes lever that is long enough to move the world yeah so i started putting serious energy and attention into it i had a very successful event with david ray griffin in april 2005 that was broadcast nationally on c-span and it was a breakthrough for the truth movement and then in 2006, as the truth movement really uh, kind of exploded and got, you know, became too big to ignore, including the, the hundred uh, scholars who had signed on to Scholars for 9-11 Truth, a hundred professors in the United States mostly, uh, who'd gotten into that group. At that point, the other side, the cover-up team, had to go to work and they decided to nominate me as the whipping boy of scholars for 9-11 truth. So they would punish me publicly so that other professors would stay away from it. And that's how I got well known. I was brought on to Fox News and so on and so forth. So that's how I got into this issue. And um, I realized early on that this had to be, I, I was pronounced LIHOP and my hop, and this had okay. to be my hop, made it happen on purpose. And, and the reason for that is that there's simply no way that, especially with this particular bunch of accused hijackers and bin Laden, that had they simply you know, heard that there was such a plot taking place and somehow given orders to ignore it, now how are you going to get everybody to obey those orders to ignore it, I don't know, sure. but had they tried to do something like that, it wouldn't have succeeded to that extent. There's There hasn't been a successful hijacking in the United States since the 1970s. And there are re technological reasons for that, including uninterruptible autopilot programs allowing for planes to be uh, taken over from the ground. So if you tell somebody to fly the plane to Cuba, the pilot's going to suddenly the aircraft is going to fly at your land at the nearest airport, and the pilot's not going to have control of the plane. Uh, so there are all sorts of reasons why hijackings just don't work. And this notion that these doofuses who were not allowed to solo in Cessna training aircraft were simply going through the motions of pretending to learn to fly when they weren't even really learning to fly. And they were going through those motions at CIA drug import airstrips disguised as flight schools that were not flight schools. They were flight schools in name only. And the only people who pretended to pay money to learn to fly at those fake flight schools were these Arab guys that they later blamed for being uh, doing 9-11. You, know, you put all of this together and you see that, okay, if they're going to blow up the World Trade Center, which the architects and engineers of, for 9-11 Truth, have, among others, have proven that they did. So they've rigged out these incredibly expensive, ultra-advanced demolitions, the biggest, uh, most difficult demolition projects in all of human history, with blowing up, uh, taking down the tallest buildings ever taken down in controlled demolitions by a factor of you know, many factors mm -hmm. of magnitude, even the, the, tra the building seven, 
was but still uh, bigger. Half yeah. again, half again as tall as the next tallest building. Was, yeah, ever still built, blew right? everything else out of the water. Right. So they're they're gonna they're gonna do this huge project in New York, blowing up the Trade Center. Now they're not going to imagine they're just letting some doofuses who can't even fly Cessnas supposedly do hijackings, which are not doable. They're going to somehow get control of these planes. They're going to somehow actually be able to fly them when they can't even fly Cessnas. And they're somehow going to be flying straight into these buildings and succeed in hitting them and give us the, de- the excuse to blow them up. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. So the only way that they could let it happen on purpose would be to make it happen on purpose. And that would involve making sure that planes actually hit towers. So you have the excuse to blow up the towers. And you can't trust you can't, any human you can't to fly that. into a tower. You just can't. There's no human being that you could ever trust to actually pull that off. Uh, they would quite possibly get second thoughts. <laughs> uh, and if you you put huge time and energy into preparing those buildings for demolition, you can't. You got to make sure that those planes hit those you towers. So how that. do you do it? Yeah. Right. You you remote fly them. You've got if you have a remote fly system that is pretty much guaranteed to hit them with that kind of accuracy. That's what you're going to use. So just that logic alone, and there yeah. are a lot of other things. But that, that's my, the, my opening of my case for, of course, you have to go to my hop. Lie hop that let it happen on purpose. It may be psychologically more comfortable to think, oh, well, they're really evil, but they're not that evil. There's really these bad guys, these Muslim bad guys who are really the evildoers. And these good guys on our team, just let them do it. I, no, I sh- I should, we are the bad guys. We've I should, met the enemy, and he is us. I should clarify, for me, and maybe maybe that might be accurate for others, to me, it's not more psychologically appealing. I think evil is as evil. You you did it. To me, mm-hmm. it's it to me it has nothing to do with um not not attacking you. To me, this has nothing to do with well, we're not that evil. Oh no no, no. pit of vipers, a, a, a den of vipers. They'll do it. To me, I'm more looking at who did it and how did it happen. No part of me, by any means whatsoever, gives our guy give our guys some benefit of the doubt. Evil right, but, but, beaming but see, from you hell. Still, you still have. You, the problem is, is with the lie hop. Not only is it obviously not true, mm-hmm. but you still have that evil Muslim enemy that's capable of, of doing bo- something. The like boogeyman this. from across the ocean. You still he got looks, the boogeyman. Looks different from you. He's got a beard and dark skin. And wears a turban. Right. Ooh, no, I got you. I got you. So we went out and we killed thirty million Muslims because of this. Mm-hmm. And if it was lie hop, there really were these Muslim terrorist hijackers who were, you know, who flew these planes into these towers. Uh, then, well, there's still this. Muslim terror problem that we had to deal with. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, and yeah. So, so, but the fact is, no, there never was any such problem. There gotcha. wasn't. I mean, in fact, the problem is that Muslims have been unable to defend themselves adequately. The reason for all of these wars on these Muslim countries is that they're weak. They're unable to defend themselves, which invites predation. And so, the predators have been going in to steal the resources. Yeah, sitting on a trillion dollars of oil. Yeah. The thing that could happen would be all these Muslim countries would be led by radicals, you know, people with the mentality of bin Laden, and that they would all have plenty of nuclear weapons. If that were the case, we would have a much more peaceful world. Okay. There would never have been these wars in the first place. If Saddam Hussein, for example, had had nuclear weapons that could hit D.C. and New York, couldn't be defended against, uh, millions of people would still be alive. And our country would be in America, as well as Iraq, would still be in much better shape. Uh, so yeah. by people who believe that there are these evil Muslim terrorists, yada, 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 uh, that leads to uh, a complete misunderstanding of reality, and it leads them to acquiesce in these horrific and destructive deeds. Gotcha. And and no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Just as I'm for the Second Amendment, I think the Second Amendment applies to nation states. I think if we all had nukes, it'd be a lot more people. I really do. I'm not saying that. 
sarcastically. Yeah. The, the best thing that could have happened would be for Saddam to have had WMD. Everyone the best thing nukes. that could have happened would be for Gaddafi to have WMD. The best thing that could have happened would be for Assad to have WMD and Iran to have WMD. If all those countries had the ability to adequately defend themselves, there wouldn't be any war in you don't, that region. You don't roll up on a random house in suburbia because you're not sure who has a 12-gauge and who doesn't. Why doesn't exactly. that apply to nation-states? It does. It absolutely yeah. does. It is is quantifiably a more peaceful world in terms of total deaths, gross deaths, as well as percentage deaths since August 9th, 1945. It just is. That's right. Doesn't make yeah. it doesn't you know, make I, it perfect, <laughs> but it does. Yeah. 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 It's, I, I used to I used to live in dicey neighborhoods in a, a motorhome on the streets in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and I had an NRA sticker. In fact, a bunch of NRA stickers uh, on the door of my motorhome. That did make people, <laughs> yeah. including police officers, not just cops, you know, criminals, but cops too. You yeah. know, they would think twice before they would do, you know, come bursting into my motorhome while yes. I was asleep at night. Yeah, deterrence works, and you're ab- you're absolutely correct. And you know, um, I do think of um, one is. I, let me write that down. The, the guy you mentioned early on, the former head of SDI. I never knew that. What was his yeah, name? That's Bob? Colonel Colonel Robert Bowman. Colonel Robert one Bowman. of the great American heroes. I'm writing that down, Colonel yeah. Robert Bowman. Yeah, he, he's one of the greatest all-time American whistleblowers. Absolutely. That's wild. Yeah, he quit as head of SDI because the Strategic Defense Initiative, or the Star Wars program, was sold to the American people as a way of defending ourselves from enemy attack, from Russian mm-hmm. nuclear missiles. In fact, it was a purely offensive program with mm-hmm. no possible defensive rationale yeah. because satellite platforms are vulnerable and they're going to be shot out first if you have a war the satellites are all going to be taken out yeah. so the only purpose in having all that stuff up there was first to strike, strike first yeah and yeah. what were they it was stuff like they according to bowman in the 70s they already had something that could set a whole city afire from from outer um, space they they had artificial meteorites that would be dropped on enemy missile God, silos yeah. to take them out tungsten rods and all of this was part of a first strike uh program and oh, indeed yeah. the u.s is the only country on earth to this day, that that has an official first strike nuclear strategy. That is, if there is going to be uh, the possibility, the, the strong likelihood of a nuclear exchange, we are going to strike first. Russians won't do that. Theirs is purely defensive. Everybody else's is purely defensive. Even the Israelis say that, well, this is only a Samson option. And if we have the, you know, if, if it looks like we have to give up and let the Palestinians have their, their country back, we're going to blow up the whole world. We're going to blow up all the capitals of Europe as well as the Middle East. But in a sense, that is defensive. Still defensive. In a sense. I mean, the Israelis are offender. They're offensive because they're invaders and occupiers of somebody else's land. But they want to keep that land. And so they're trying to defend their stolen property using their... But the U.S., we have a first strike doctrine. We are going to initiate the apocalypse and kill hundreds of millions, if not billions, of people. It's It's shameful. The Kasaba howitzer, C A S A B A, is a it's a shape charge, but where the explosive is instead of TNT or Semtex, it's a thermonuclear warhead in orbit. It's a Kasaba howitzer, so it shoots a beam at whatever. It's it's a death ray, is what it is. And that was, I mean, shit. I think the documents for that go back to like the eighties. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. Yeah, that's not. It, there's satellites have no staying power. That is the first thing that is wiped out. That is the first thing that is wiped out. Absolutely, it's a first strike capability. To yeah. go, so I want to go back to because isn't the the air park is it the Pineal Air Park? Isn't that where they did some of the training? 
Possibly, yeah. There, there were there were two flight schools. Uh, I'm trying to remember the names. The, there, the the two the most interesting ones were these two ones in Central Florida, owned by uh, was it Rudy Deckers was one of the guys. There were these two Dutch guys that Daniel Hopsicker in his book Welcome to Terrorland has called the Magic Dutch Boys. Now these were both Dutch nationals with alleged <laughs> links to organized crime. Uh, who went in and bought up these failed, you know, airstrip operations and put up signs saying we are a flight school, but then attracted basically no business at all, except for Muhammad Ada and his friends who went there to pretend to learn to fly. Now, the other pilots actually uh, didn't have, know how to fly. Now, the it's question the Ada, it's, it's well, we ask which Ada? And it's the same for a couple of these other guys, like which Ziad Jara? Look at the official pictures from driver's licenses, passports, and so on of Ziad Jara, who is the Lebanese fake, hij alleged hijacker. Uh, they're di three different people, obviously three different people uh, posed for his official ID. And with Muhammad Ada, there are at least two. One was the very shy uh, Egyptian Ada, who was an architecture student in Germany. And then his identity was stolen and the Ada who was running around Central Florida, who looked somewhat like him, was uh, a Hebrew-speaking <laughs> uh, psychopath. Um, and the, the loud, brash, uh, drug and alcohol-loving, pink-haired, stripper-dating, uh, Hebrew-speaking psychopath. And that was uh, probably, a presumably, an Israeli imposter. Uh, so all of the, what was going on there was, was that apparently these guys were being set up it's unclear, you know, to what extent you know, Israeli intelligence and American intelligence were collaborating, to what extent this was really being run by whom uh, the, the 15 out of the 19 alleged hijackers uh, who came from Saudi Arabia were brought to the U.S. on snitch visas, a special kind of visa that's issued by the CIA to people in the Saudi nationals who do something for the CIA in Saudi Arabia. They get a fistful of cash and a free ticket to the United States and a special visa. It actually has a code on it. So the people who were in the know, the intelligence people, they know that this is a CIA snitch visa. So this is a CIA asset. Every one of those 15 Saudis had a CIA had a issued snitch visa. And so they were sent over here. They're, they pretended to learn to fly at flight schools and so on. They party like crazy, yeah. including partying at, at U.S. Uh, military officers clubs and such. <laughs> uh they uh, they stayed the night before 9-11, a bunch of them stayed overnight. The ones who got on, you know, supposedly hijacked the DC plane, they stayed overnight right across, literally the across the street from the gates of the National Security yeah, Agency Fort headquarters. Meade. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, there. Fort Meade, yep, yeah. And, and they, while they were there, they exercised at the gym that is where all the NSA guys exercise. Yeah. And other others were regulars at the officers club at that air base in Florida. Now, all of this stuff came out right after, you know, within days of 9-11. And the mainstream journalists were kind of like, what? You know, and ask. So they, they, they called up the military to get their comment on this. And essentially, the military issued a non-denial denial, denial uh, to all intents and purposes, admitting that it's true that these guys had been, you know, basically partying. And, and, you know, admitted to and in some cases living and staying at, at secure U.S. military facilities. And then all of that sort of got airbrushed out and left out of the 9-11 Commission report, just like so many other things did. Good Lord. Now, do you think that the so do you think that the the 
do you think the hij- the quote unquote hijackers, do you think they were in on it, or do you think that they were actually learning to pilot and because you technically wouldn't need to read them in, you would just have to get them in the plane and then you use that as your excuse to do the remote control. Right. Yeah, I think they were. I, I'm sure they they did had no idea what they were involved yeah. with. Yeah. I think they were just typical Saudi CIA assets. I think they were chosen probably for their low intelligence, actually. Uh, and then they were brought over and they imagined that they were like, oh, they're living it up here. They, you know, they, they used to be kind of nobodies in Saudi Arabia. Now they're given this ticket to the U.S. They're given fistfuls of cash. They're snorting cocaine. They're chasing prostitutes. They're gambling on Abramoff's casino boats. They're flying regularly to Las Vegas to gamble. That's the lifestyle these guys had. Sure. Uh, and they're, meanwhile, they're just being asked to sort of go through the motions and, okay, you, you know, you go, here's a ticket to this health club, you know, go pretend you're lifting weights there. They didn't just pretend they didn't actually lift any weights. You know, these are, these are supposedly the muscle guys. They're like 98 pound shrimps. Uh, you know, it's a complete joke. And so it looks to me like the whole thing was, they're just totally set up and they were, it was set up to make it look like they were on the planes. Only they probably weren't. It looks like some, or maybe probably all of them, got uh got the jitters at the end and maybe suspected that something was up and they because there's no evidence that they were on the planes and if they had actually gotten on the planes there would be evidence uh there would be all kinds of security camera footage there would be uh, ticket stubs uh there would be uh official stamped airline passenger lists with their names on them and there would be testimony from the airline employees who ticketed and boarded them however none of that has ever been produced what? what the government has done to cover up the fact that they never produced that and they had to produce it legally under international law if they're going to charge these guys with this crime they have to produce that evidence that they were on the planes but they never did so what did they show to try to take our, our eyes off the wall of Otta, the famous picture of Otta walking yeah, fa- in. yeah fake fake pictures they, they had a picture of Otta that was taken at the wrong airport yeah. that wasn't the right airport and they had a they had a picture of the guys at Dulles Airport that was not an authentic security image. It was uh, clearly a a fake. It was it was not authenticated with the numbers, date stamp, and so on that you would have with a real security image. So we have no idea when this little this picture that they gave the media was ever taken, or even if it was real for that matter. But certainly that that picture uh, it could have showed them. Um, at, at you know at any time uh, in the past could have been from a year ago two yeah. years ago, so so that's all they two pictures is all we've ever been given and both of those pictures were laughably bogus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm kind of thinking it out now. The, you you wouldn't even have to have guys that were on board for a suicide mission. You, you could have said, hey, you're going to hijack these planes and going to land them, and then you take them over remote control. Or you don't even tell them you're hijacking. You just have yeah, to say, why, why tell them you're even hijacking? Yeah, that's a good point. Just, yeah, we're moving you. You're an asset. We're moving you. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're taking this flight. Yeah. That's an even better point. Yeah. You don't even, it's not even you got to hijack because you could still have cold feet. What if it goes wrong? Yeah, you just tell them we're moving you. We're, we're moving you here. You're, you need yeah. to know. You don't need to know. I mean, look at the Lone Gunman episode that broadcast a few months before 9 11. That's uh, remote planes being remotely flown into the Twin Towers. <laughs> Fuck. 
Yeah, that's you wonder why you know why they would do that, but there, there are a lot of these cases of you know what looks like it's predictive programming. What, yeah. what what is that? What is predictive pro? Not to go off on a on a on a side. What do you what do you what do you think that is? Is that is that a demoralization thing? We're in charge. Is that to sort of warm up the public consciousness to an idea? What do you think it yeah. is? Yeah, I, I think it's it's partly to demoralize and make us say, "Wow, they're so in charge of this. They can There's... they can show us what they're going to do." Um, there, there's some testimony from people uh, who've been on the inside in the black ops world who say that some of the people involved in this have some kind of bizarre metaphysical uh, framework, they whether they're they, Satanists or they some sort of occultist or Freemasons. From the karma. Yeah, that it's, if they tell you what they're going to do and you, and you don't stop, they do it and you don't stop them, then the, you're the one who gets the bad karma, not them. So that's that's what some say, but also I, th I think we shouldn't forget that it does also sort of muddy the waters afterwards when, like you and I sit here talking about, wow, look at that, the Simpsons predicted nine eleven. I mean, look at look at that, you know, that it, it's obvious that the yeah. Simpsons predicted it. Yeah. Uh, uh, with the with the nine and then the t twin towers making the eleven, or you know, look at that lone gunman episode, yeah. right? So so we're talking about that, and then the people who haven't figured this stuff out yet it makes right? us the look crazy <laughs> yeah the blue pill crowd yeah. they go oh well these conspiracy theorists the only reason they they believe that 9-11 was an inside job is that they think that they saw some random thing in some tv show that prefigured it and of course that's ridiculous why would any if they were going to do that why would they prefigure it yeah. so it does it, right so it it does muddy the waters and makes conspiracy people look crazy yeah and then if you I mean you go one step further and then you could release fake shit you could be like, oh, that's proven that South Park did that after 9-11, right? And then you'd be like, so the whole thing's bunk, right? You could do a 9-11 episode afterwards and be like, the Simpsons actually released that no too. And then they actually could have a second. You'd be like, no, these are two different things. And all the while, it just muddies the water into this. It just trails off into, you're insane. Kerrigan, Barrett, you guys are off your rocker. I mean, yeah, and, and then the idea about the, uh, the, 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 you know, you're released from your karma if you... You know, that in itself would sound crazy, except for the fact that these people are occult Satanists. I mean, they, they do Bohemian Grove. Like, it's not, it's it's hard to grasp. It, your brain kind of goes into this shock where you go, that's not possible. But this, there's no, it's not like there isn't evidence for them being deeply, deeply occult. Hmm. Like, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so then when you try to explain this to people, the people who have been educated in the current paradigm, right? The, they have basically materialistic beliefs. They're materialists. That is that they believe that we're living in a space-time continuum that's based on matter and that sort of, you know, Newtonian physics and the Enlightenment science uh, describing the material world is that that's kind of how things are. And they don't believe in uh, psychic uh, powers and things like that. They don't believe in magic and the sorts of you know beliefs and practices that have been ubiquitous in people throughout almost every culture in all of history. The current paradigm is that no, none of that's true. And so anybody who's an occultist is really some kind of crank and there's nothing to it. There's no truth to it. it the, the only truth to magic is like power of suggestion where you, you, know, you tell somebody that you've cast a spell on them and they're gonna get sick. And so they do get sick because that they believe it, right? So that, that's the current materialistic paradigm. And so for somebody from that paradigm who hears us say, well, these rulers of the world, these, these, these people who have enough power to pull off 9-11 or JFK assassination, they're actually occultists. 
this sounds weird because like if why would why would crazy people be in charge here? Right? You know, why would people who are like superstitious and low lower class, you know, like non-educated types, how could they be in charge? Well, the solution to that paradox is that the materialistic paradigm is wrong. Yeah. And that indeed that the world is constructed by consciousness mm -hmm. and that human consciousness can and does influence the course of events mm -hmm. and quantum physics makes this absolutely clear effect yep right yeah so magic actually works things that are you know dean radin has written a book about that yeah uh supernatural i think is the name of that book he's written a number of good books about the scientific evidence for the reality of psi powers okay so that means that what we really have is an elite that knows that materialism is wrong that the mind can directly influence the course of events and that there are ways and techniques uh, technology if you will for making that happen and they're going to monopolize it they don't want everybody everybody getting in on it right oh, yeah so naturally they're going the way one of the ways they monopolize it is by pushing this scientific materialistic paradigm to dumb down everybody so nobody realizes that this stuff works that psi powers exist and quote unquote magic actually works people don't know that then these folks are left with a monopoly on those technologies and so the people with who have a very selfish and greedy ideology and want to use these technologies for their own aggrandizement and that's the definition of black magic is the people who whose attitude towards all of this is basically uh, selfish and in service to their passions and desires so those people then try to monopolize it and they uh, actually get involved with the dark side of it, mm. which is the dark side of it is the uh, the entities and powers that say, we'll help you get what you want. We'll help you aggrandize your ego and achieve your desires. You'll be wealthy, powerful, and so on. Get away with crimes, yada, 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 uh, if you Do sort of work with us. And so some folks do. And... That these people who are committing these huge and horrendous crimes are part of that world and they yeah. have a lot of power in this world the powers and principalities uh of this world are not all godly They're not of flesh yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah right so so actually the the old-fashioned sort of religious worldview from before the enlightenment they were as yeah it, even william burroughs right the 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 homosexual wild and crazy beatnik genius like famously said that uh, you know, people were right back in the Middle Ages. Yeah. They had a much more accurate view of the world in the Middle Ages than people today do. No, and, and just for for full disclosure, I agree with everything you just said. And I, and I have for a okay. while. I, that, that's, you're not, you're not, you're not, you don't have to walk out there with me. No, I fully believe that because, it, I mean, truly it makes sense in the form of just look at it as technology, which is what you said. Well, what I mean, what is DARPA? What is the NSA? What do they have? Classified technology. Yeah. You keep it classified, special access program, because it's a way to impose your will, whether it's radar absorbing material on a stealth bomber, whether it's a nuclear weapon, whether it's an orbital based directed energy weapon. It's all it's all an energy source, or not an energy source, excuse me, a power source. It's a weapon. It's all classified. And by the time we figure it out, there's something more classified. Well, what would be the most classified top down control system? Hey, your prison walls are constructed by your own illusions or rather they're constructed by what we're telling you 
and you have no idea, but if you wanted to, you could theoretically dissolve these metaphorical prison walls and bars and walk out and be free. Why would well, you keep that, you use that metaphor? But why... <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful you're using that metaphor because in uh, John Ronson's wonderful book, The Men Who Stare at Goats, which was turned into a film, uh, General Albert Stubblebein, yep. who is, in fact, the highest uh, ranking head, military head of, head of 9 truther. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, Ronson hilariously describes how Stubblebein, who was part of these military efforts to harness psychic powers, mm -hmm. uh, believed that someday he would succeed in walking through walls simply by psyching himself into the right state of mind and walking right into the wall and that he would go right through it like a ghost. But Johnson describes how he says he tried it several times, but all he got was a bump on his head. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it t takes practice. But, you know, I've, 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 I mean, I've interviewed Dr. Dale Graff, who is the head of a Stargate project or Stargate program, the CIA's ESP thing. It's uh, oh, cool. Yeah, no, it, it's it's wild stuff. And so it is, you know, it's, it's the analogy I always use is this concerning like the occult and does the and does consciousness control reality is like, um, be like if I wanted to play basketball, right? And I was I was learning a jump shot. I was learning to do left hand layups. I was learning to do chess, whatever. And I would look at better and better players. I would look at varsity players. I would look at college players, and I would want to get closer and closer to their advice. They're, these guys are better. You want to be the best. And then finally, if you got to the tippy tippy top, if you got to a LeBron, you got to a Steph Curry, you got to a Michael Jordan, and if they gave you a piece of advice. That seems so wild. They'd be like, before every game, I don't, I'm just making something up. I, I I rub a lemon on my thighs. You'd go. Now, what would you do? Would you go? These guys are nuts, or would you go? He's got six rings. I'm. And if anyone else says that guy's nuts, well, who's really nuts? You, who can't get enough playing time on your high school team, or the guy with six rings? I would go. No, he's not nuts. You're stupid for not taking the advice from the goat. So that's kind of how I look at this. Is you know, we look at smarter and smarter and smarter, higher and higher and higher up in the military, the corporate, all these intelligence echelons. If you get to the apex and they're doing some weird predictive programming, mind control, sacrifice, working with dark spirits, do you look at them and go, they're idiots? Or do you have a humbling moment and go, maybe we're the idiots? And that's mm -hmm. kind of how I feel about this. And that's what you would do is you would ostracize it. You would make fun of it. You would, oh, you into the, are you a new age hippie girl? Like, that's what you would do. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, although uh, I would have to say that I do look down on those people to a certain extent because I think that, you know, they've really seriously screwed up by following that path of self-aggrandizement. Oh, no, no, they're, oh, no they're evil pieces of shit. Yeah. I'm talking about just the general idea of um, the mm -hmm. thing they are practicing. It is silly yeah. to assume it's bunk. Now, they're using it for yeah. wrong, but mm -hmm. it's like... um. It's like if we said nuclear power was bad because some guys believed in it. Now, they'd be using it for A-bombs, and that doesn't make them good, but it doesn't mean that nuclear power isn't real. It's just that it could be used for reactors to power a hospital or something. So that's where yeah. I'm coming at. No, they're yeah, that's evil. Dean Radin's position. Yeah, yeah. No, they're evil, but the thing they're doing isn't bunk. It does mm -hmm. work. and that, that's, So I'm with you on that entirely, predictive for all of that. I, I really, why else, how else would it work? Why wouldn't mm -hmm. it work that way? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, of course, this, you, you bring this into the discussion of 9-11 and people say, wow, you know, you guys yeah, like it. You guys are really crazy. You know, here I was going to listen to this 9-11 stuff with your science <laughs> and your architects and engineers 
these people citing strong scientific evidence for your case, but now you're talking about psychic powers and magic and men who stare at goats and all this sort of thing. Uh, so you must be really crazy, but it, it, I think, you know, it, speaking of which, I think it's it's interesting that right at this moment, as we speak, the you know so-called push for UFO disclosure seems to be intensifying, and I think there is a link between the uh, this UFO issue and then the issue of uh, of psi and psi powers. Okay. In both cases, you have the establishment mocking and deriding people who believe these crazy things, who believe that. You know, people have psychic powers and magic works. Wow, you must be really uneducated and, and crazy. Uh, you're, you're the hippie or whatever. And likewise with the UFOs and the aliens. And oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right. They've crashed, you know, they've recovered crashed bodies of aliens and crashed saucer pieces. They're reverse engineering this stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, however, uh, you know, we're now at a point in history where over the past maybe three to five years, the New York Times and other august establishment journals have been preparing us to switch their story on this whole UFO thing. Mm -hmm. They keep, you know, they've been very respectfully suddenly treating the UFO disclosure movement, or at least parts of it, over the past three to five years. And now we have this new so-called whistleblower guy, Grolsch or whatever his name is, that guy who uh, has a very serious intelligence background who just lets slip, oh yeah, we actually have these, you know, crashed saucers and, and alien bodies. And to the extent it's being discussed, it's being discussed quite relatively respectfully in the mainstream media. They don't have any obvious way to try to point, say that this guy is a crank or a crazy guy. He's got a really high level background with no serious flaws. So that's it. And, and, and the tie in here, the reason I'm bringing that up along with this issue of magic and psychic powers is that reports about these ET phenomena, uh, a lot of them, suggest that whatever these ETs are, they uh, they have some kind of connection to psychic powers. That is, the people who've dealt with these entities talk about communicating telepathically. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, with the abduction reports, give those whatever credence you want. But there are huge numbers of abduction reports. If you start hypnotizing people, you start finding uh, ridiculous numbers of people who seem to have these buried memories and they describe similar things in many cases. Those reports seem to involve not just telepathy, but all kinds of really uh, uh, uncanny uh, abilities, such as the ability to take people through walls. Talk about stubble binding, trying to walk through a wall. Well, if you believe in these abduction stories, these some of the ETs are able to take people through their ceilings and roofs straight into the, the, the vehicle and things yeah. like that. So, uh, and then to sort of reset reality in these really weird ways. So I think there's a link between these two things. That is that whatever, however you want to think about these entities, I mean, you can you can go along with Charles Upton and say, we're just talking about like demon, demonic entities, period. Uh, or, you know, whether you want to think that, well, some of them are actually sort of material beings like us coming in physical ships, but maybe they also have developed some psychic abilities. Uh, in, in any case, you're dealing with as we admit that this phenomenon is real then we also admit that the world of psychic uh abilities and the other world or the alam of akhar where uh, spirits and jinn live is also real and mm -hmm. indeed there's a huge overlap some of these entities or maybe all of them as upton suggests 
might very well turn out to be basically spirits and jinn, or what our you know less technologically oriented ancestors talked about as spirits and jinn. Uh, so when we admit that this phenomenon is real, we're also going to admit that um, ESP and psychic phenomena are real. Starting to kind of really expand the Overton window of you can't write it all off with mockery, and and you're and you're corrected. I mean. Man, you gotta respect the enemy. They did. They do a good job at mocking it relentlessly for eighty years, and then really, over the course of about three years, turning it entirely to a respectful level of discourse. Should we be wondering about these UFO? I mean, they really, they really just trained an old dog a new trick. They just did a one eighty, and it, I mean, it's not not impressive. Um, they're, they're trying to sneak out of their dilemma. You know, they're, they're in this yeah. dilemma where we've been lying through our teeth for you know for almost a century now. Yeah, yeah. Well, more than half a century anyway. And and now if we're going to tell any truth at all, how do we do it in such a way that people don't just start throwing rotten fruit at us for lying at, lying to them for decades and decades so so shamelessly? Well, you appeal to the ego. You appeal to the intellectual. You go, well, it's not all craziness. It's actually. We do live in a vast universe with other beings. and or You appeal to people's, they don't want to feel like the, the dumb conspiracy theorist one. You appeal to the smart guys so everyone gets to have their, their nose up in the air. Well, of course, of course there's other life in the universe. It's a, mm-hmm. for lack if, of... If, if, if you're smart, you're going to say, well, why were you guys lying to us so outrageously all these years? And even killing people to try to keep this secret. What's with that? <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. And that's, and that's where you and I are. And that's why we're we're kind of boxed out. But um, no, I, I yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about nine eleven. We're thirty minutes in, and I'm like, I'm with you. The devil runs it all, and it's like, yeah, but that's kind of where the the discussion goes. But I mean, for <laughs> yeah. the for the sake of of uh, of thoroughness, because I, I completely forgot we were having a nine eleven discussion. For the sake of thoroughness, for people that did tune in for uh, my hop, lie hop, um, how. Taking down the buildings, if it, if it would be so advanced, right, it would have to be. And it is, you know, the biggest. You have 210-story skyscrapers and a 47-story skyscraper. I know the one often floated around is the idea of thermite or nanothermite. And then, you know, you talked about you you educated me last time on gelatin and E-team and access to the elevator shafts and security clearances to basically run around the World Trade Center roughshod. Is that... Is that how it was done? Is some sort of... I mean, obviously, if you're going to plant explosives, you'd have to, to ensure it. Just like you'd have to have remote control to ensure it happened. You can't screw up the big game. You also have to ensure that the buildings did fall. What, to your best understanding, is is the method that they took the towers down? Well, I, first, I think it was probably redundant. That is, as you say, they really wanted to make sure that it happened. And, you know, if you half blow it up and it doesn't come all the way down, you know, that, that could be a problem in, in various ways. And that might may have happened with seven, actually. They may have screwed up with seven and not made it redundant enough and something may have gone wrong, which is why seven maybe should have, it was supposed to originally come down under the dust cloud of the towers, which would have been maybe, you know, 1030 in the morning when uh, the first huge explosions in building seven actually went off. I, I believe it was before the uh, towers came down. So that may have been a mistake, but in any case, they didn't want that to happen. And with the towers, they may have had something redundant in place. That is, they may have not only had cutter charges to take out the the steel frame members, uh, but they may also have had some uh, higher energy mechanism that ended up 
uh, pulverizing a lot of the dust and producing some of the unusual phenomena associated with the destruction of the, the towers. With Building 7, it's a classic old-fashioned demolition from the, uh, you know, from take, taking out the, the frame members uh, all the way through the whole building. So it just comes down sort of like a, an elevator straight into the earth at near free fall. It is absolute free fall for the first two and a half seconds. But with the towers, they started blowing them up from the top down. Hmm. So the towers, it doesn't look like a demolition, a normal demolition. It looks like they're just being exploded from the top down. And I would imagine that along with taking out the steel frame members through some combination of conventional explosives, and there's some evidence against the conventional explosives in that the uh, explosions may not have been loud enough. But you may, you know, if you had conventional explosives, the uh, reports might have been actually louder than what we have. I mean, there were reports of explosions, mm -hmm. but there's a question about whether if the whole thing were done with conventional explosives, whether there would have been, it would have been even more obvious, too obvious. Uh, thermite charges, uh, which can be set uh, to be somewhere between uh, accelerant and explosive, um, could slice through the metal of the frame members and uh, cut, you know, cut through all that metal, which takes away the ability of the building to be you know, holding itself up. So they could have used those. But again, with the towers, it looks like, to me at least, that something other than that was used. Because if you just looking at the difference between what happened to the towers and what happened to Building 7 and all other buildings that are conventionally demolished, whatever they were using to blow up the towers from the top down appears to have involved a lot more energy, a lot more explosive energy than what you would get if they were just taking out the the frame the the support supporting uh members the columns if they were just slicing through columns so that suddenly all the columns suddenly cease to exist at all at the same moment the towers like like building seven or like these las vegas hotels that you've yeah. seen coming down in the thing they would have the towers would just go like like building seven did but instead the towers were yeah so what is causing them to explode like that and the answer has got to be something is doing that. And yet the, it, it, whether it was loud enough or, you know, we, we do see to some extent as these uh, like popping out uh, squibs, yeah. boom, 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 going around the building, suggesting some, some explosive process. But it's also been suggested that there may have been some kind of, uh, for instance, there's a, a nuclear hypothesis associated with the yeah, like Pomier is one of the French uh, physicists, I think, who talked about that. So those guys think that they might have taken out the core columns in the center of the building by having a nuclear bomb in the basement, which apparently was patented and it's a it's you know patented way to take down tall buildings that's been around since the '60s. Is you you have a nuke in the basement and it is. Uh, set up in such a way into the bedrock below the building that the, you get sort of the equivalent of a shape charge when it goes off, and it goes up and hits. Oh, you know, okay. It uses its energy to melt the core columns. Okay. And so the core columns might have been taken out that way, and then they might have had redundant uh, cutter charges, which could either be explosives or nanothermite cutter charges as well. Or they you know, they could have done the core columns primarily with the, with the nuke and the outer perimeter columns with uh, with, with cutter charges. 
So that would be my, my answer would it be some combination of those two things, you know, conventional cutter charges, which could, e again, could either be expl conventional explosives or, uh, or nanothermite with a possibility of some uh, nuclear device or its equivalent. Um, and of course, there's the Judy Wood theory about the space beams, which I don't find persuasive yeah. that it would have, you know, but some uh, something else that would act the way that this hypothetical nuclear bomb in the bedrock would act uh, that we don't know about that's all classified. I mean, of course, that's always a possibility, too. Yeah, I'm always I, I always have to catch myself and not and not use the wall well, the the technology was classified because that's kind of a, that's kind of a convenient not saying that that's what you're saying. But it's kind of convenient deus ex machina. Well, it's yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah that, you that's why I like the nuclear. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the nuclear hypothesis. Uh, that's talks doable. About, that's understandable. Yeah, it is totally doable with with what we. Well, yes and no though. The problem there, of course, is that the nuclear hypothesis does rely on the well, fact that the radioactivity. Exactly, the latest generation nukes don't leave the radioactive signature that earlier ones did, hmm. and we don't know that for sure. Because it's all classified. Yeah. But we strongly suspect that that's the case. Back to uh, SDI. And um, there was something called the Shiva Star. And it's, uh, I mean, back to the kind of occult thing, man. It's, it just it does go to the highest levels. But there was something they made. And, it's, I mean, it's eerie looking. You can look it up on Wikipedia. I think they changed the name several times. But I think it went, the, the project went dark in 1990, the year I was born. I mean, that 32 years ago. But it was about shooting... Um, plasma balls from space-based ICBM defense they would be kind of a new iteration of, of of guarding you know America and it was and it's not a typo I always thought it was a typo I always thought they meant meters but no it's shooting them at 10,000 kilometers a second it's shooting these things with these massive capacitor banks and it's not that the project went unfunded it went classified and there's just no updates starting in 1990 I mean if we're talking about shooting an energy source super fast and this theoretically, I don't think there was any radioactivity. I think it was all x-rays. So hmm. now I don't know how, how do you fit that down there? I have no idea. That's, you know, I mean, if you really want to get in there, I mean, I don't know, burrow under it, you know, but this seems like we're getting more and more complicated now. Um, but yes, no, you would do, it's like the line from, uh, from, you know, JFK about the coup, right? Is it has to succeed. It's like you can't, and that's the idea of like multiple shooters in Dealey Plaza. If you're gonna do this thing, it has to. There's no half measures here. We've committed the crime. We're going in, and we're gonna do it now, right? If you're going in to rob the bank, you gotta shoot the cameras, and you gotta shoot everyone and take the. You, once you've once you've whipped out the gun in the bank, you've already you're already going to jail for life. You have to complete the deed, and I think that's what they did. Is you got it? You you gotta go for it. You got to go for it and you got to, you know, win it. Now, granted, winning means they're evil demons from hell. But nonetheless, that's what you would do is you would have redundancy on redundancy. And if it's for something this big, right, absent a new Pearl Harbor so that we can go and genocide a bunch of Muslims and then go, you know, take trillions of dollars of resources. That's for all the marbles, man. You're pulling out everything. You're not doing some half measure. You're not doing some, you know, wily e. Coyote, you know, TNT plunger. No, you're going to pull out that the, the Black Ops DARPA tech, right? You're going to pull out everything. And that, that's what it would be, man. That's what it would be. And it's, it's, and of course, this then completely, excuse my French, shits all over the LIHOP hypothesis. 
because these guys with box cutters didn't have some nuclear shaped charge and thermite pain and, and energy weapons. That's right. Yeah. So it sounds like I'm uh, converting you. You to are. You're bringing me over. You're bringing me over to your side. I, I, I have, I can say I have, I have no, I like, I would like to think, well, I am a, I am a, a human stuck in this human body, but I'd like to say, or I like to think I don't have any ego involved with this. There's no, the very fact that it wasn't the story we're told to me makes it already just dialed up to 11 that it's evil. It doesn't matter. It does matter. But to me, it's just evil beyond evil. I just, to me, I, I have to be more convinced and I'm, I'm getting more there. And, and again, I don't know who knows. I mean, Dr. Judy Wood, is she, who knows? Is she disinformation? I don't know. You know, I've, I've watched her lecture. I think I like it, but I also just love, I also like Transformers movies. So I don't know. Maybe I just like to be entertained, <laughs> but you know, she talks about that. The, um, the Richter scale, it should have registered a much larger impact from the buildings collapsing, and it registered like a tenth of it. And she thinks that 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 gives more credence to her hypothesis that these were quote unquote dustified by an energy mm-hmm. weapon, and that's why. And, and actually, that that's, that supports the nuclear hypothesis. Sure. In in that that uh, nuke might be uh, a. A mechanism for pulverizing obliteration to its constituent yeah just components because there is you know that argument which she makes which i think has some validity has some yeah yeah, is that the weight that the the actual you know weight of these buildings was somehow removed you know that that is that and the a lot of that weight was in concrete and that concrete she says was dustified that is that much more of it was pulverized into sub 100 micron dust than would be expected in let's say if they had just cut the, uh, the the steel frame members and let gravity do the work, you would have had the amount of energy available would have been expended in as each part of the you know building hits the next part and so on, and the amount the overall amount of energy wouldn't have been anywhere near enough to crush everything that way and indeed to make human bodies disappear. More than a thousand of the victims who were killed in those towers didn't leave a single. Nothing shred of bone or fingernail or anything to dna test it just their bodies just vaporized just disappeared if you had a gravity driven collapse those bodies would still be basically squashed but intact yeah it would be it would have been a piece of cake and every single one of them would have had their remains discovered and they would have been identified but in reality what happened was that whatever happened in those buildings it created way too much dust it blasted the concrete into way too small smithereens and it caused entire human bodies to just completely disappear so what could do that well you know again it's something a very something very very high energy and again i think the best candidate that we can identify is uh, is a nuclear weapon in the basement that pommier hypothesis and i'm not totally you know a card-carrying member of that group sure. and i listen to the people who say no it could have been just the you know, thermite but I still don't see how nanothermite, which is just causing, you know, it's just cutting the uh, the columns and letting gravity do the work. I don't see how that causes a thousand human bodies to just vanish completely. And it's such a, it's it's and it's not a fringe argument. I mean, a very basic thing should be conservation of matter. Okay, sure, you're gonna have a certain amount of stuff. You know, if you if you brought it out to ten decimal points, yeah, sure, it probably wouldn't weigh as much as the original tower because you did have stuff burned and paper and stuff technically. But it would be pretty close to steel. Even if you melted the steel, 
it would still be there. The concrete would still be there. Sure, some bodies would be just vaporized by the jet fuel explosion. A fraction, but not all of them. That is too big of a thing to ignore. It's not that it's off by a tenth of a decimal point. The towers should have, the, the very least, the law of conservation of matter should have, should point to something very, no pun intended, very concrete, which does bring back to the high energy theorem. And, you know, it, it obviously we want to get as close to the truth as possible, but there's also sort of like, we're, we're doing process of elimination. It's getting to a point where it's like, we maybe don't necessarily need to find out if it was a nuclear shaped charge or if it was a space-based energy weapon. The thing we're getting at is it was an insanely advanced high energy phenomena. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And maybe, you know, some people and others think that uh, a large amount of nanothermite uh, explosively deployed, possibly like painted on uh, the subflooring, uh, so that 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 would demolish the concrete. There are people who think there's some way that a lot of nanothermite could actually do this, and who knows? I, I'm I don't know for sure. But you know, the, one more thing to mention to show that yeah, this was a very high energy explosive process, couldn't be explained just by gravity. Is the tiny little shards of bone fragments that were found all over the Deutsche Bank building. Uh, which was across the street. So how can a gravity-driven collapse in which this building just kind of goes straight down, uh, how, how is that going to cause human bodies to explode into tiny little fragments that then spray way up in the air and end up landing over on the roof of the building across the street? No way. I mean, clearly something extremely explosive shattered those bodies and propelled them um, across the street. Which and then all of this thus very does swiftly remove lihop. Yeah. You you can't the you you can't have your cake and eat it too. These guys can't be hut dwelling primitives and also have black ops DARPA tech. Choose one. Choose one. Yeah. Right. If the story was that China did it, yeah, maybe you could go. Hot. Well, they they've got their own advanced. You can't say that it's this backwards warlord, opium, oil-rich hellhole, and then also say they're, you know, using the power of the gods. W which one is it? You can't have both. Yeah, it's a, it, it would be a heck of a complex operation for any foreign government to pull off. Yeah. You know, fal false flags are the easiest kind of military operation to pull off because you've got control of the command chain you've got control of your defenses and so you can make sure can. that the people people whose job is to prevent foreign adversaries from doing things against you they can be made to look the other way so there you know that's that's the element of truth in lihab i mean the truth is sure that 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 are you know the guardians whose job is to make sure nothing like this happened failed but the reason they failed wasn't that you know they like there was some order, just look away while these Al Qaeda guys do what they do. Yeah. And the reason they failed was was that um, you know they were given types of orders that were devised by people on the inside who knew how to circumvent the various kinds of defenses that would exist, and you know how to make the right people lay down on the job. For instance, the satellite office, uh, right? They they devised a drill. One of the forty six drills of nine eleven 
of which more than 25 were actually ongoing on that day, September 11, 2001, making it the biggest national security special event day in American history. And it's pre-designated as such. Yeah. Right? Uh, so one of those exercises in life was a live fly plane in the building exercise targeting the National Reconnaissance Office. And that's National Reconnaissance yeah. Office's, their job is to monitor uh, yeah. what our satellites are seeing from space. Yeah. So if you were a foreign adversary, you would have no particular reason to do this. But if you're an inside jobber and you're playing games with the planes, for example, let's say you were doing plane swaps or whatever, or, you know, there's some reason that, like, you know that the these exercises that are being, you know, the, the, the pre-designated exercises in which planes, our fighter jets are being sent to the North Pole to pretend that the Russians are coming and all of these zillions of exercises going on that day. And the thing is, you don't really want people to see what's happening in the airspace over America. Whatever is happening, it isn't what you're going to tell the world. You're, yeah. you know, you're going to tell the world that these flights were hijacked, they flew here, they turned around, they hit their targets. And that wasn't really what happened. So you want to make sure that the people in the National Reconnaissance Office can't see what's happening in real time. And you want to maybe even be able to move in there with your guys and make sure that they won't see the recordings either. So how do you do that? Well, you have a live fly plane into building exercise that forces the evacuation of the National Reconnaissance Office right before the whole thing happens that morning. And so, again, more evidence that this is my hop, not LIHOP, is that uh, whoever did this scheduled the exercise that led to the evacuation of the National Reconnaissance Office that morning, ensuring that nobody who was unauthorized would see the satellite imagery of what was really happening and what really did happen in our skies. And I realize, and <clears throat> I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll keep you for another 15 minutes and then I, I will, I will release you from my, my bonds. I know I, I talked your ear off. I'm just now, we, we haven't even touched the Pentagon. Yeah. We haven't even touched the Pentagon. So what, what was What was that? Was that, you know, is that missile? Cause the Pentagon seemed, and I know much less about the Pentagon than I do about the World Trade Center. That, aside from the fact that you know there's no plane parts and the, the cameras didn't work, that one seems a lot less alien than right. World Trade Center. There's so many anomalies. The Pentagon seems a little more like what did they just? Was that like an afterthought? They just fired a cruise missile at it. It's that one seems a lot less complex. Yeah, well, with the Pentagon, the thing to keep in mind is that. You know, rather than getting lost in this argument about, oh, did an actual plane hit the Pentagon or not, which is the way that it's been framed, uh -huh. and I think maybe the bad guys want it to be framed that way, okay. it's it's really much more useful to just say, look at this official story that they've given us. What a joke. Uh, what an insult to our intelligence that we could ever believe that they're what they're saying is the case. The official story being that this team of hijackers somehow waited in, until they were over Ohio uh, to, to to get this plane, take control of it. And then the, the pilot, Hani Hanjur, who the 9-11 Commission tells us was the best of these 9-11 pilot, pilots, but in fact, uh, it was well documented that he was so bad that he was not even allowed to solo in a Cessna training aircraft. The official story tells us that Hani Hanjur seizes control of this plane over Ohio, turns it around, makes a beeline for Washington, D.C., it's not seen on any 
radars or tracking devices because he turned off his transponder. Okay, so that means you, you can fly a commercial aircraft anywhere all over the country. Nobody sees you if you just turn off the transponder. Yeah, right. So he turns off his transponder. He flies straight to D.C. Nobody notices this. Nobody has the slightest idea where this plane is until it suddenly shows up like right over downtown Washington, D.C. He overflies the Pentagon and then turns around, does a corkscrew dive, pulling so many G's it's questionable whether he could have remained conscious. Yeah. Uh, and, and this corkscrew then comes in at ground level, skimming the grass, but not putting a mark on it, not touching the lawn in order to go right into the to the bottom floor. Of, of the Pentagon at the spot furthest away from all of the top brass and into the spot that was just heavily reinforced right before this. Yeah. And in doing so, he happens to kill the accountants who were, we're presumably on the, on the trail of, of the 2.3 trillion. So this official story is completely ludicrous. Oh. And, you know, the claim is this plane came in at 560 miles an hour, flipping the lawn. It's a ridiculous rate of speed that it has been hotly debated in the community of pilots whether a commercial aircraft could even reach that speed but what isn't debated is that e nobody's going to keep control of a plane at that speed least of all a guy who can't fly a cessna so that whole story is is just ludicrous and then we can get lost in well so what really happened well was it a missile you know was it a different kind of aircraft and there are all sorts of little you know red herrings and leads little, leading, yeah. you know, leading you off in this direction leading you in that direction at the end of the day there's a revisionist group within the 9-11 truth movement that argues that the evidence the the actual forensic evidence is consistent with a large plane hitting the pentagon at about the same trajectory as the official story alleges at a very high rate of speed uh, so they, I think, have a reasonably good argument that a, a large plane may have done that at that super high rate of speed. Yet, that does not help the official story at all. Because, again, the notion that any human pilot, least of all a guy who can't solo in a Cessna, could and would have done this... Uh, when, in fact, any real hijacker who wanted to hit the Pentagon would just plunge into the roof. Yeah. And they would, if anything, they would lean towards the opposite side of the Pentagon where all the top brass yeah. are. You plunge into the roof over on that side where yeah. the top brass are. You take out a bunch of top brass. You'd be sure to hit the building. It's a huge building. It's like multi-acres. Yeah, really easy. So that if you're a hijacker pilot, you're, what you're going to do is you're going to fly at a controllable speed. You're not going to take a, you go 560 miles an hour and take a chance, like as in a sure chance that you're not going to maintain control. Instead, you're going to fly at a manageable speed or, you know, high up, and then you're going to come down right into the middle, uh, a little towards where the top brass are, and you can't miss. Yeah. And you get, you maximize damage that way. A real hijacker pilot would do that. And so this notion that, that hits the side. What Hanny Andrew supposedly did. That's like that's such a joke. And so anyway, I'm I'm open to the possibility that these revisionists are right and that a large plane actually did hit the Pentagon on the flight path that's been described. Um and to me that just adds reinforcement to the argument that the official story of this is a grotesque and you know laughable lie. Yeah, it's either it's either the story's BS, he didn't pull those G's at that speed and basically come in with sniper precision 
you know, instead of hitting a pizza from the top down, he chose the thin crust on the side. And it's like, exactly. that's a wild shot. Or it did happen, which means this guy didn't do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's either Lee Harvey was a lone gunman, which he wasn't, or he did pull off those shots, meaning that he wasn't just some guy. He would be a world-class, you know, gunman. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, you're, you're moving me over. You're moving me over. I would hope so. I'm, it I'm, sounds I'm, like it. Um, I, I hope. Do I, I hope I get an. In, do I get like a badge? Do I get an invite? Do I get a? Do I get? Oh a yeah, I mean, you, you, I, what do you get? You get my, uh, my respect for your openness to for hearing sure. arguments and mm-hmm. willingness to believe them it. when they are good arguments. Of course, you've read enough about this that you, you know, if I tried the same argument on someone who really didn't know about the issue, it might not work because they just would have no way of evaluating what I'm saying. Yeah, they wouldn't have read enough to know if it, these crazy things I'm saying are actually true. Well, I mean, like, like you know, despite us kind of, you know, talking about the more importance of spiritualism, is there are, you know, not all science is bunk, and there are still important lessons you can learn. There are spiritual lessons you can uh, learn from scientific endeavors and scientific discovery and it's a if you let it it can be a very humbling process where you go do i really believe this or do i believe it because i have believed it before and now i'm not willing to let go and that itself can have spiritual implications and help you in your own personal life of you know do i really do i really believe two plus two is five or you know is there a little bit of ego involved am i blushing and i don't want to you know admit that i'm wrong and it's well it's if if you can move towards it and remove emotion as best as we can as as you know flawed humans if you can remove emotion and try to take in all facts and figures and really try to just get to the truth as if you're observing as if 9/11 happened 2000 years ago and you and I are just talking about something that happened in ancient Egypt with that same detachment if you can start to approach things with that same detachment you can get closer and closer to uh I mean, absolute reality, you know, closer to God, closer to the truth, closer to whatever it is we're doing in, in this existence. And um, I think that's the real importance of it is is really, you know, it wouldn't be that this episode's about 9-11. It's about put everything out on the table and use your most sober-minded, rational, empirical, deductive reasoning and go, what really had not... Am I going to get made fun of? Am I going to be called crazy? Not Does this mean that I'm an idiot for having an American flag behind me? Remove it all and just... Well, far, far from it. If you respect the, you know, honest patriotism, you know, you're doing the right thing. Thank you, sir. Well, Dr. Barrett, always a pleasure to have you on, man. Um, I look forward to the next episode. And guys, please go into the description. Go check out Dr. Barrett's work. And uh, thank you for your time. I, I, This is everything I wanted it to be. Thank you, sir. Well, well, thank you, Tommy. I appreciate it. And yes, yeah, no, you're 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 a true patriot. I mean, the real people who uh, the real patriots are the people who are trying to make their country live up to its highest ideals, yes. and certainly to not let it descend to its lowest, most criminal depths. So uh, keep up the great work, and God bless. Thank you, sir. God bless you as well, guys. Thank you so much for watching, Doctor Barrett. Until next time, much love, brother. Take care, everybody. Peace.